You are listening to the CPA Career Path podcast with Rosie Flaherty, CPA. This is episode number one. My CPA journey with Jessica McLean, a CPA, CITP, CISA, PMP, and CGFM. Thank you so much for the interview today. First and foremost, can you please just introduce a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Jessica McLean. I am currently the Chief Financial Officer for the Girl Scouts Council of the Nation's Capital. I've been in that role exactly 90 days as of uh, the 20th, so just still getting my feet wet um, and, and learning on the job. Prior to that, I spent about 11 years in public accounting as an auditor. I am a true auditor through and through uh, and enjoyed my time doing that. And we'll talk later how I kind of trans- decided to transition out of that into the nonprofit space. That's a that's me. I'm very involved with the profession. Uh, I sit on the AICPA Foundation Board. I'm a member of the Maryland Association of CPAs Foundation, the Greater Washington Society of CPAs Board, and a lot of many other things that we'll definitely dive into a bit more. So I keep myself pretty busy. But Rosie, I'm so glad to be here and thank you for the opportunity to talk to everyone today. Thank you so much. And I'm just curious, at the very beginning, why did you choose the accounting career? Wow, let's see. So it started for me when I was probably fifth or sixth grade. There was a uh, substitute teacher in one of my classes. And one day she had a wad of money in her hand. And of course, a little kid sees that and you're very intrigued as to, you know, what do you do? I want to grow up and be just like you to have so much money. And she said, I'm a tax accountant. And I knew from that moment I was hooked on the accounting profession. I actually started my major at in graduate school, I'm sorry, undergrad at Towson was accounting. But about a year into it, I actually changed my major to business and didn't want to do accounting. At that time, and many others have this misperception as well, is that accountants are boring. They only do bookkeeping and only do taxes. And I was just like, that is just boring. That's not exciting. That's not fun. And I changed my major to business administration. And then I graduated from Towson. And when I went to work for the federal government at the time, there was a um, a lady there who was a CPA herself and started to tell me about these, the accounting profession beyond tax accounting and bookkeeping. And she said, have you ever heard about auditing? I never really heard of it. I think I took a class, you know, I may have heard about it early on at Towson, but didn't know much about it. And, you know, I talked to her about it and she said, I think you would really enjoy doing that kind of work. So literally six months after starting to work for the federal government, I quit and went to graduate school full time at George Washington to get my master's degree in accounting. And then from there, we'll talk about it more later as well. I then went went to work for KPMG and that was it. Wow. (laughs) What an interesting start in your career, changing major and then... (laughs) start a job and then turning back to accounting. It so, pulled me back in, Rosie. It pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you change when you decide that you want to go back to a graduate school and then study accounting, at that time do you know that you want to be a CPA or you just want to do accounting? Oh gosh, I think I wanted to be a CPA. As I mentioned, the the coworker at the time was a CPA herself. And so that opened the door to not just understanding the career opportunities outside of, again, the book book um, bookkeeping and tax accounting that many think or associate with our profession. Um, 
she's the one that said this was a great profession and there's other work to do. But even she set the planted that seed in my head about being a CPA. And so even throughout graduate school, I knew it was something I was going to do when I graduated. I know when you went when you went college, you probably went through a lot of like career fairs, a lot of like interview process, and then yes. you probably talked to a lot of people about like being a CPA, doing audit. What what was your experience about about that um, hiring process when you were in college? Sure. So when I went to graduate school, you know, I took the the managerial accounting classes, the tax classes, the audit, even you know finance, and so it gave me an opportunity to see what other opportunities were there within our profession. Um, and as course, a lot of us, you know, go through school and we're told public accounting, you got to go to big four, got to go to big four. And I heard those same songs as well. Um, and, and I followed it. So I interviewed with, with all big four. Um, I knew I didn't want to do the tax side. Um, I took a few tax classes. That was not my thing. I don't even do my own taxes. <laughs> so when I tell people I'm a CPA and they say, do I do taxes? I say, oh my God, no, um, I don't like taxes at all. I leave that to my tax friends. They are the experts. I leave it to them. That's just not my, not my thing, not my forte. Um, so then I interviewed with all the big four firms and received offers from all of them and decided to uh, go with KPMG. And specifically I did that because they have a large federal government audit practice. And growing up in the D.C. area, the federal government is a huge employer. It touches many aspects of our area. And, you know, why not? My mother worked for the federal government for over 30 years before she retired. So I grew up in that um, that world. And I said, wow, what a niche area to be in. And so I went with KPMG and started in their federal audit practice in 2008. I know it's, it's normally really difficult to get any offers from Big Four. And you get all four offers from all big fours. That's amazing. Did you did you uh, get any struggle in the first in the first like few months when you start working at KPMG after you graduate? The only area I struggled in is there were some individuals that actually had interned with KPMG, so they had some of the connections. Uh, they knew some of the lingo and the language of the organization and knew some of the culture. And not that it was necessarily a detriment to me and it was not held against me because I didn't intern with KPMG, but I did notice that there were individuals that, again, had those connections. And I just had to work a bit harder to, to build those, um, to make those connections, to you know show the great work that I can do. Um, but that was just me being hard on me, <laughs> as I usually am. But um, I learned so much when I was at KPMG. I was there for about three years And there are relationships that I have today from individuals that I met with at KPMG. Literally just yesterday, a partner that I used to work for at KPMG reached out to me on LinkedIn to find some time to chat and catch up. And, and so I would tell anyone, um, when you talk about you know, the benefits of working in public accounting after graduate school, and you can, you can still go industry or um, private sector, But for me, there were many benefits to starting off my career in, in public accounting. And the biggest piece is just what I learned and the relationships that I built and still have today. But talking about working up big fours, people always concerned about hours. People say that working so many hours, like you probably have to work like 70 to 80 hours per week during busy season. And a lot of people, they avoid big four because of that. 
How many hours did you work when you <laughs> when you were at KPMG? <laughs> And I will be very honest, you know, in public accounting in general, I've worked at KPMG, I've worked at Grant Thornton, and I've worked at a local niche firm in DC as well. And there were times I did put in many hours um, and and travel. And I I agree, it's not for everyone, but for me, I was young, I didn't have kids, and I was very driven and ambitious. And it was like, well, I'd rather put the time and the effort in now, and it will pay off for me later. Now, I will say the accounting profession is definitely not the same that it was in 2008. Um, when it comes to flexible work arrangements, when we talk about the hybrid work environment now because of COVID, um, and so those opportunities for those flexible work arrangements to be able to still have that life that you want um, and still give that 110% to your job is there as, as well. Um, and so I think the pan- I don't think I know the pandemic helped with that transition of being in the office every day, having to work 70 hours, not feeling as though you can move up and be promoted unless you put those hours in. Um, but now it's about your productivity and the, the output, the outcomes that, that you achieve and not necessarily just the hours that you work. Um, I know we still work live in a, you know, billable hour structure. Um, and there's been talk at you know, firms and within the profession changing that model. I mean, we're not necessarily there yet. Um, but I will be honest, I did work a lot. You know, I, I was always transparent when I interviewed um, students leaving school of, and this is not a four and hour work week job. It just isn't. We have clients that we have to serve and at times there's travel. Um, but I remember KPMG gave a lot of time off. I think I had five or six weeks off a year. And I said, there's nowhere else you can go and get that kind of time off starting out in the profession. And so that's one thing they did. They also offered sabbaticals. Um, so you could take that time off um, to take a breather, um, to study for the CPA exam. And so even then in 2008, they had those opportunities and options available. And I know they still do now. And then other firms have taken those on as well, um, understanding just the the hours and the burnout that people were experiencing um, just doesn't doesn't work anymore. That model, um, I'd say, is part of the ancient times now, um, but that your employees can still be productive Uh, but if you want them to be engaged and empowered, that those flexible work arrangements um, and options need to be available to them. I have to agree with you that even COVID is just crazy, but it, it just makes the working schedule so much better, like so much better. You yeah. can just like work at home while you still can do something else, but still get the job done. That's just amazing. Absolutely. And for me as a mother with young kids, that flexibility is is so important when I can sneak in a load of laundry between meetings. I, I know I need to do that. And it still gives me time for, for self-care, which is also very important. So it's great. Yeah. So after many years in being a CPA, if you could share with me the best thing about being a CPA, mm-hmm. what it could be? Gosh, the best thing was becoming a CPA. And I say that because as an African-American female, um, there are the statistics out there where, you know, African-Americans in general only make up about one to two percent of all CPAs. And being a CPA, there is a lot of respect and prestige that comes with that designation. And I wanted that if I was going to be a part of this profession. And that was the best moment. At that time, I think we were still getting the letters in the mail of you passing your four parts and I'll never forget the day I got the letter that I passed far because that was the last section I needed to pass. 
And I opened it and saw pass. I remember I cried and called my mother. And that was the best moment in my career um, to have achieved that. And to know that I've joined a group of others um, within our profession that put that time, work and effort in to get that. Um, it shows, again, our, our clients that we are trust that we can be trusted, the ethics, the professionalism that we have and obtaining that designation is, is of the utmost of utmost importance. And it's something that I share with others when they are other students, when they are teetering on, should I become a CPA? And I will say those three letters all day long of how important they are. Um, I'm even currently mentoring a young lady who's on her CPA journey. She just took one of her sections just yesterday. She's already passed two and working with her. She took her third yesterday. She gets her scores back in a couple of weeks. So I'm hoping we can celebrate that third section being passed and then she'll have one more left. You know, and I, I tell her and my best to motivate her. I said, I know it's tough. I know it's tiring. I know it's exhausting. But when it's done, it's done. And that is just a proud moment for me, um, even to this day. Even with all the other things I've achieved, becoming a CPA is the best thing. Wow, you so busy. Always a job, <laughs> being as mom of two kids, and you still have time to be a mentor? How, how, how do you manage all your time? Gosh, how do I do it? Um, because there's others that have helped and mentored me, I feel as though I have to do the same thing. And I am not where I am in my career without that help. And I would feel as though I am not giving back and by not helping others. And this young lady, she just reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, I love your background. I'm starting to study for the CPA exam and I just need a little help and encouragement. And that's really all she needed. So it's just you know, just calling her and texting her, hey, how's studying going or how are you feeling about this? And, you know, she had failed one of her sections and motivating her to help her, encourage her to keep going. And so even those five or 10 minutes texting every so often, does it's not a lot to me, and I know, but it means so much to her. And to know I can look back at some point in my career and say, I helped another woman become a CPA. That that means a lot to me beyond what I've achieved is to know I helped someone else achieve their dreams. And she recently asked me one day, she said, I will never know how to repay you for your help when I become a CPA. And I said, it's not about repaying me, it's paying it forward for someone else. And I would just ask that you help someone else in their time of need when they need encouragement and motivation to get those three letters behind their last name as well. That's what it's about. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's such a sweet story about you helping another lady. I have to, I just, there's, 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 I just, there's no other way to put it. I feel like I just have to. And it just, again, a lot of it is because others have helped me and continue to help me. And it's, they're not doing it to be repaid you know, they're giving them anything back. It's just someone also helped them. And so um, I've had my mentors say, I need you to pull someone else along and help them. And so that's what I'm doing. And that's what I've encouraged her to do as well. And I just make it work. Uh, when it's important to me, I, I find the time. So either with kids and, and work and all the things I'm involved in, you know, I make I make it work. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Like sometimes it's kind of nervous to just go out there and then message a random person who you admire saying that I just would like to talk to you, something like that. It's just something like not many people are brave to do it. So this woman, this lady, she must 
she must be very brave and then she also very confident and love your background so much to have enough confidence to send you that message. Because I know, I know, like sometimes people want to do it, but they will be like, I don't know if that person going to respond back to me. Or I don't know if that person going to have time to, to just mm-hmm. see my message. That thought I know is exists somewhere. <laughs> And it doesn't. I've had the same thing. I've reached out to people and told people things. And sometimes I get responses and people are willing to to help and provide resources and support that they can. Others won't. But you'll never get that help if you don't ask. And today with the virtual ways of, of networking, connecting, especially through LinkedIn, I'm a huge advocate of LinkedIn and it's worked out wonderfully um, for me is that that's all she did was just say, hey, I'm going to shoot my shot and, and see what happens. And I would encourage people to to do that. You never know the help that you can get. And there are so many people that are like me that are they're willing to help and, and want to help. They just don't know if you don't ask. I agree. I agree. So besides of the best thing about being a CPA, what would you say about the worst thing? And I thought about this question a lot. And I don't want to call it the worst thing. I would call it what I would say is very challenging a very challenging time for me. Um, I had spent you know, my entire career for the most part in public accounting as an auditor and just knew I wanted to be a partner. That was the end goal. I said a CPA is number one and being a partner is the number two as far as goals. And I gave birth to my daughter almost exactly three years ago <laughs> this week. And that's when things started to change for me. It became very difficult to balance the responsibilities of being a new mother with the demands of public accounting. And I will say the profession still has work to do in that area as far as supporting not just working mothers, but working parents uh, or uh, also working caregivers. There are people who are now taking care of elderly parents and need that support system, need that flexibility to do that. Now, as we've talked before, COVID has definitely changed a lot of that. Um, where employees can say, no, this is this is what I need. You know, I have to take uh, a parent to physical therapy or my child to, you know, a disappointment or that appointment. And they're able to get that flexibility that they need. It wasn't it wasn't the same for me three years ago. And I just up and quit. I tried to come back from after having my daughter and try to run and operate in the same way as I did before. And I just burned myself out. Um, my employer at the time, uh, another accounting firm, they just wasn't able to work out, the, give me the flexibility that I needed for me to be successful. My motivations and drive had not changed after becoming a mother. I think I became even more driven because I knew everything that I did was for the benefit of my, my daughter, but it, it just wouldn't, it just was not working. And so about six months later, I just, I up and quit. Um, and that was tough, very, very tough. It took about six months for me to kind of find that next right move for me. Um, some of the benefits of it, it gave me a chance to reassess what I wanted out of not just my career, but life in general. I was, I will say, I am a, I am a recovered workaholic. <laughs> no, I work a lot now, but not in the same manner that I did before. Before it was just stay at the out, you know, stay at the office, all kinds of hours, always traveling, just always on the phone, busy, busy, busy. Um, now I'm able to do it in a more integrated fashion. Where now I tell people when I leave the office at four o'clock, I can't get back online until eight. I have bath time, I have story time, it's dinner time, I have children at home, 
And so unless the office is burning down, it can wait. It can wait. Um, and so I've put up those boundaries that I didn't put up before. And I don't want to get say it's the worst thing, but it was just, it was challenging for me to say, okay, now what? I wanted to be a partner. Now what? So I went through, you know, went to interviews. I network with people, talk with different headhunters. And about six months later, the opportunity at an organization called Brand USA was brought to me. Brand USA is a nonprofit association. They are the marketing destination organization for the United States. And their goal is to bring in international travelers to our country. Now, you can imagine what COVID did to the organization the last couple of years, but they've, they're recovering and doing absolutely great. And I had the opportunity to be a controller for the organization. And we talk about public accounting and some of the benefits it can bring. My boss knew at the time I did not have nonprofit experience. I had no controller experience, but she loved my public accounting experience. She loved the fact that I had a CISA, my Certified Information Systems Audit designation, my PMP, that I moved up the ranks within public accounting. So she understood the inquisitive mindset that I have, the mindset of being a continuous learner, because in being an auditor in our profession, you have to be. Keeping up with client demands and business changes, you have to be. And that is what she wanted more than anything else. And so those transferable skills helped me to, to get to Brand USA. So those six months in 2019 were very difficult for me. Um, but I look at where I am now about two and a half years later, and it was honestly the best decision I made at the time to, to leave public accounting and, and transition into, into nonprofit. Wow. So I'm just curious, in those six months transition, I know that it was challenging to you. I know that you had to go out there and look for jobs. And at the same time, you had to take care of your family as well. Have you ever like feel like, I want to give up? Have you ever thought that, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm, I get lost. Have you ever reached out to someone at that time like someone like who like a partner or manager or someone who have a lot of experience in this career to just seek advice during that period? Oh, absolutely. And again, it, it comes down to your network. I had so many individuals, some people that I sit with on some of the AICPA committees that I'm a part of, um, individuals that are part of the Maryland Association of CPAs that I'm on the board with. Um, I had people in my network that were rooting for me wanting to help me say, send me your resume. I'll talk to this person, talk to that person, go on this interview. Um, and so I definitely had a great support system at home with my husband, but also um, my fellow colleagues, my fellow CPAs as well, um, who helped me through that transition. And I met women who experienced some of the same thing of, you know, when I had my children in public accounting, even 20 years ago, how difficult it was, but they made it through. And these are women who are leading divisions within large firms who are CFOs as well. And so it gave me that encouragement to know I'll, I'll get through it. It's tough to hear that in the middle, but I'll get through it. And to see where I am now, it's just, I thought all I can tell myself is, wow, I don't think I realized I needed that time and that reset more than I thought I did. Because you can just sometimes work yourself and just work and work and think you're working to, towards a goal that you think you want. But sometimes it's either what others want or not really what you want. But you just haven't had the time to take a break and reflect um, and think about it. 
And that's what those six months did. And it also gave me great time to spend with my daughter. Um, it's time that I, I cherish to not have to worry about phone calls and emails and travel and I could be present with her. And so that was another benefit of having that time off as well. And I definitely had an amazing support system to, to get me through that transition. And it's great. I can see them now, whether virtually or in person and say, wow, guess where I was just two years ago. And it's, you know, look at where I am now. And I'm just so incredible, uh, incredibly thankful and grateful for their help and support. That's amazing. Happy birthday to your daughter, by the way. <laughs> I believe she's already three. Yeah. Wow. Time goes fast. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm just wondering, how do you create your network and how do you maintain your network? So I kind of have it in two phases because there's the pre-COVID phase and then there's the COVID phase. Um, so, of course, pre-COVID is um, one of the, you know, attending different conferences, different networking events. Um, that was a way to do it. I had an executive coach. Her name is uh, Janine Brown, who has an amazing book that's coming out uh, that I can't wait to read, who was an executive coach I worked with, uh, I think this is back in 2018. And she helped me through my introvertedness to be able to network. Um, I'm, a, I'm a natural uh, introvert, maybe hard to tell in talking with me. Um, but just going up to people and talking with them was was just not something I was always comfortable with. Um, but she was so helpful in encouraging um, and helping me through that process to do that. So pre-COVID, it was, you know, the conferences, um, you know, just going up to people and having conversations at lunch, you know, during the conference break or during the coffee break at a conference, exchanging business cards. Um, so that was kind of that was one way I did it. Uh, reaching out to my network to say I'm looking for some volunteer opportunities within our profession. Um, and helping with that is how I got involved more with got involved with the AICPA and some of their volunteer committees was just letting people know what I wanted to do. And as we've mentioned before, just telling people and asking, you'd be surprised who's out there willing to help. So that was one way as well is getting more involved with the profession at the state level and the national level. Now, it's changed a bit with COVID because you know, for about a good year and a half, no one can barely leave their house. <laughs> um, and so then it went to a virtual Uh, networking. And so I was even more in, intentional of how I use LinkedIn, um, connecting with people, sending messages, um, attending as many virtual happy hours as I could, you know, with work and everything going on. And so that was a way as well in doing that. Um, people that may I hadn't talked to since before COVID, just sending them an email, say, I'd just love to catch up for, you know, a 20 minute, 30 minute coffee via Zoom. And doing that as well. So I will say the networking is, is always very intentional. And it's not about doing it to get something from someone on a very transactional basis. It's just connecting. Because I tell people when it comes to networking, it's not just who knows me. It's who's willing to speak for me when I'm not in the room. It's not, it's not because I just know them. It's not because they just know me. It's when opportunities arise, I want my name to be brought up. And by doing that, Um, again, it's how I've had the support when I transitioned out of public accounting and how I uh, work through things now and how you and I've connected um, as well, just, just virtually. <laughs> and, and so it's just, again, be very, in, I've been very intentional. And I tell people it doesn't take hours on a day to do it. It's just sending some notes on LinkedIn, connect with people on LinkedIn, sharing posts on LinkedIn, um, or again, attending a virtual event that, that your state society holds. Um, if you're able to do in-person events, going to them and just say, I'm going to talk to two people today. Nothing else. I'm going to have a conversation with two people. 
because you never know who they know and then they know someone else and you know them as well. And it's just, again, we're all uh, uh, barely segregated, uh, separated, if you really think about it and how we're all connected with each other, the six degrees of separation. And so that's how I did it. So pre-COVID, again, it was a little different, but now that those in-person events are coming back, I'm making my way out there as much as I possibly can. Thank you so much, Jessica, for the interview today. For anyone who is listening to this interview, I hope you learn a lot from this interview. And maybe one day in the future, I call you as a CPA. Bye. <laughs>